1: Welcome to Season 4 of The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to TechSystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkilstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Today we're going to talk about the role of the voice of the customer in driving product roadmaps. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Matt Young, CEO of UserVoice, Matt, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Greg. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Great. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this this topic with you. And definitely, um, as we were chatting right before uh, we started here, it's something that it sounds like we both think about and, and, and work with quite a bit. So look, looking forward to diving in. Uh, why, don't, why don't we start by uh, you giving a little background on both yourself as well as user voice?
0: Sure. Um, so user voice, it was the, uh, the first dedicated product feedback, uh, product itself to come out. Um, it went to market in 2008. Um, like a lot of products like this, it was born out of necessity. Rich White, who, who founded the company was working on a calendaring program and he found it really difficult to, to get feedback from people about what he was building and, and how well it was serving their needs. So he built a product, uh, to solve for that over the years, uh, user voice has uh, evolved into something that uh, we're collecting the feedback is really just the very tip of the iceberg. We, we go deep on analysis and uh, it's really hard to squeeze all the information you can out of qualitative feedback. It can become a bit of a daunting problem at scale. So the product's just grown over the past decade into something much more powerful than its original proposition. Um, I ended up coming to UserVoice. I come from an engineering background and I joined UserVoice in in 2015 in an engineering role, Uh, and it was really appealing to me because being in in engineering leadership, you're in charge of this uh, expensive, complex team, and it's being fed by uh, ideally a product team that's doing really good research, but I'd always historically been pretty dissatisfied, both as an individual contributor, software engineer, and then, then later on in engineering leadership with the quality of the research that was going in uh, to what we were being asked to build. And I think we've all been in that situation where you know, you're, you're sitting there wondering, huh, why are we doing that? Right. So it's very appealing to me to have uh, some real data backing those decisions. And I, I think it's a, a really important thing for any company to make use of.
1: Uh, let's let's start by talking about the voice of the customer and its role in, in product development, as, as as you just mentioned. Um, so first, just so we everybody's kind of on the same page here, how would you define the term voice of customer?
0: I think voice of customer is it's an interesting phrase. Uh, we hear it a lot, uh, and a lot of companies view it as as kind of a program, a voice of the customer program. They might have a community established online. Or some other means that they're using to, to get voice of the customer. I like to think of it a little bit uh, a step back from that. The voice of a customer is a means to an end for me. It's it's a thing that helps you figure out uh, what's going on in the mind of the customer, what they feel like. You're trying to get to their emotions and their problems and all of that stuff. And, and their voice is the way they usually express that to you. One thing I think a lot of companies don't realize is whether you like it or not, you've got... A voice of the customer program. People are talking to your sales team. They're talking to your support team. They may be on social media, um, posting about their experiences and things like that. So uh, it's it's there whether you like it or not, or formalized it or not. And it's something that I think everyone, every company, should be taking advantage of.
1: When you look at successful companies that are um, utilizing voice of the customer, how how do they use this to drive? I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's about business value, right? So, you know, how do, how do successful companies kind of draw that line between voice of the customer and, and driving greater business value?
0: It is for sure. Um, I think maybe one one thing to point out first is is the wrong way, yeah. uh, at least in my opinion, to go about voice of the customer. There are some companies that view it as as kind of a transactional interaction where. If someone submits feedback about the product, they're they're handling it almost like a support ticket where they feel the need to respond individually to it, uh, sometimes debate it or something like that. That's just really, from my perspective, not the right way to look at it. Um, The most successful companies are using voice of the customer by making sure that they're grabbing all that information that's coming their way um, and making sure that it's accessible uh, everywhere across the organization. Um, Not only for now, but in the future when there's some project you're thinking of or you finally get the time to work on a thing that that you knew you needed to work on, having that repository of information available to you all the time is really important. The second thing that really successful companies who have good voice of the customer programs do is to make sure that all of the feedback that they're getting has attribution with it. Who said it? When did they say it? And then, especially in a B2B context, uh, what company do they represent? And where does that company fit into the market that you're trying to sell into? And those are really important data points to make sure that you're weighting the feedback that you get uh, in in the most appropriate way. If you've got all that uh, attribution going on and you know who said what, it makes it really easy when you go build a new thing or improve a feature. You've got an audience ready to go to ask further questions, to show prototypes to, uh, even if you want to do a beta test or something like that. Uh, Product teams spend a lot of time trying to find people to talk to. And if you've got a good voice to the the customer program, then you'll have a lot of that information at your fingertips uh, all the time.
1: Yeah, to kind of follow on the... Totally agree. I mean, to, to follow on the transactional, you know, the what not to do, I mean, just, you know, do you think that has to do with when, you know, where voice of the customer kind of sits with an org org? In other words, um, if it sits in customer service, nothing against customer service at all, but like if it sits in customer service and stays in customer service, then it gets treated as a customer service complaint versus, you know, like where, where should it kind of sit in the organization or how should that information be shared so that it can actually be utilized in in the positive ways that you described?
0: Yeah, I think, um, voice of the customer doesn't or shouldn't belong to any one organization. Um, I think it's because like you pointed out the the reason for that point of contact is different if you're contacting support you probably have something that's going wrong or something that you need help with if you're contacting your customer success representative you might be talking about uh, something about your commercial agreement or something product related so making sure that there's you know kind of a, a holistic company point of view on listening to your customers and making sure that it's captured and and reacted to appropriately and you know going back to the transactional statement an immediate reaction is not something that's always necessary if someone suggests product feedback for example just responding and saying hey cool we got it thanks great idea we'll keep you updated on on what happens with it that's the end of the transaction there's there's no need to you know get into it right then uh, but letting them know that like, Hey, a product manager might follow up with you to ask you some more questions and all that stuff. That's um, really a, a good opportunity that a lot of people miss out on where if, if you were doing that through a support desk, the ticket would be closed and that opportunity would, would probably fall by the wayside.
1: As far as keeping this going. So, you know, why is continuous validation so important and why do you think so many organizations often fail to embrace, this, you know, continual iteration and improvement. So, you know, they measure and then it's kind of like set it and forget it, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why is continuous validation so important then?
0: Yeah, I, and it is important. I don't think that anyone um, would disagree that it's important. Uh, plenty of people that I know that work in product management would love to test the value of a feature they released six months or a year later or something like that, but we're all resource constrained. So it right. just feels like an, an overwhelming thing to try to do. Um, the, the phrase continuous validation, I think, is a, a thing that rolls out of either continuous deployment or continuous iteration, which are, are engineering things. We're all releasing new features all the time. Um, but if you if you zoom out a little bit, the premise that you built the product on in the first place um, user voice was built on a premise in 2008 and back then, you know, giving people the ability to click a button and make a suggestion about a product that was novel and new, but it would be ridiculous to think that in 2022, that's the right way to go about it. Um, cause everyone's overwhelmed with all of these surveys and everything yeah. coming all over the place. So, um, we, we benefit from being an older company because it's very easy to put that into perspective for us. But even if you're a new company that's only been around for a year or so, think about how much the world has changed in a year. Um, if you aren't looking at how the market is changing as you go along and doing that with regularity every quarter, every six months, something like that, uh, a competitor is going to jump in and, and snatch your business away from you uh, with with ease. It's easier than ever to build new products. So. Because of the evolution of technology, which I think is a really, really good thing, it's easier than ever to build a great product. You, as a as an organization, need to stay on top of validating your problem space and your market that you work uh, that you work in. Um, it seems to be like the first thing that goes on the chopping block when people get busy because they're just focused on delivering the next new feature. So um, it's been a conscious effort for us and our own organization to to make sure that we dedicate the time to do that. And it's just paid tons of dividends already.
1: No one's going to argue and say that customers don't know anything or don't know what they like, but they may say, you know, customers don't always know what's best or going to be most innovative. and. You know, there's the concept of like small I or like an iterative innovation and big I or, you know, large scale strategic innovation and things like that. How should how should an organization look at customer feedback in in that kind of context?
0: Yeah, it's it's a good question. And I think something that makes a lot of um, product managers nervous about having a product feedback. Program in place because they worry that, like, oh, you know, now am I just going to be, you know, led by the leash by our customers? Which it's not your customer's job to innovate for you, um, and they're they're not going to do that. And customers will very often express their product desires to you in the form of solutions. Um, and naturally, they they might suggest a solution that's good for them, but your job is to think about solutions that are appropriate for a broader market. So, I think nothing about having product feedback changes a company's role in innovation. Their job is to come up with the right solution or an innovative solution to a problem where the customer's role in this is to express their problems to you clearly. Now, often they're going to express a solution to you that they want, but it's it's our job to kind of dig further into that and find out, okay, why are they asking for this? Am I sure that I really understand this? And then, would that be the appropriate solution to a problem?
1: Uh, now, let's switch gears a little bit and you know talk about how do we get the the best type of customer feedback. So, what what are some things to keep in mind when um, you're trying to get the best and and most useful customer feedback? I mean, I know you know we're as you've said uh, previously, and I completely agree. We're all inundated with these you know product surveys and and you know certainly well intentioned. And everything like that, but you know how how should a company think about getting the you know the most useful feedback from customers?
0: Yeah, uh, and yeah, we do live in a really noisy society. So how do you make sure that um, you're focused on the stuff that matters and, yeah. and what doesn't? Um, I think one of my favorite kinds of feedback that we get is just unsolicited feedback. If if someone takes the time to reach out and they submit a support ticket, or they ask us a, a question through another channel, or we're doing a a demo for sales or something like that, there's an inherent amount of motivation behind offering that feedback. Someone went out of their way to do this. So just because they gave you the feedback rather than you pulling it from them, Mm -hmm. that gets some higher weight. And because I like that kind of feedback so much, I think it's important to establish really good listening posts anywhere that might show up. Um, Your sales team your customer success team, your support team uh, in the, you know, hopefully it will come back that we go to conferences again and you're having conversations with people who are in your industry. They may or may not be a customer, but they're probably a potential customer if they're at a conference that you would attend. So why not gather that? And if you're able to gather feedback that's been freely offered to you uh, really easily, that I think is the most valuable feedback that you can get. There are other times when you need to um, you know, make sure that you uh, ha- have the mechanisms to go get feedback about specific things that you need. And if you're doing that, you need to make sure that you're doing it in a way that actually provides value to the end user. Um, I think the reason that all of us don't like getting all the surveys that we get is we don't know that anything will actually change because we answered them. So demonstrating transparently To the audience that you're asking for feedback, what you're going to do with it, how it's going to impact them. You know, a a $20 Amazon gift card is a nice thing and we all love it. But what I really want is a better product. Uh, I really want something that's going to serve my need. So tell me how you're going to use it. Tell me uh, honestly, like, yeah, you know, we, we might not. And, you know, if the odds are of history or any are true, we probably won't actually do what you want, but this is a necessary part of the process to really understand what you as a customer need and how we might help with that problem. Um,
1: this kind of also touches on where where voice of customer sits, even like we were talking about earlier. But you know, what what kind of internal processes or you know frameworks need to be in place to make sure that yes, you know, definitely not every not every suggestion is going to get implemented for for a host of reasons, but. How do you make the most of this feedback from an internal like process perspective?
0: I already mentioned uh, being able to listen to or listen for this information wherever it might come in. So having, uh, you know, our, our tool, of course, does this, but there's any number of ways that you can accomplish this, uh, you know, a, a simple Google form or something like that that you're pointing people to. I think the next most important thing is to make sure that when all that feedback is gathered, that you're not emailing it to a person or sending a Slack message or a Teams message to a person, because that person might be out of the office, they might move on to another company, something like that. You want to make sure that all this information is captured in a usable place and not just a usable place for the product team, but a usable place for the entire organization. If you think about product feedback today versus the way it was just a few years ago, Product teams would use product feedback to make a better product, but these days, marketers, salespeople, they need that information too, to know what to highlight in marketing content, what to show in a demo, what should be part of a free trial, what the the aha moments you want to point someone to are. If you're seeing trends in product feedback that are all focused around a, a particular feature or a particular solution in your product. Those are the things that the marketing and sales teams should really be leaning into. So I think to make the most out of the feedback, um, making sure that it is a globally usable resource for the entire organization, Uh, it's as thorough a resource as it can be, and then as accessible as it can be, um, are the two most important things that people can do.
1: And I know you've touched on this a little bit, but I'll just kind of ask that, you know, the the inverse question to that is, you know, how, what should you avoid or perhaps minimize when you're analyzing this, this feedback as well, just to make sure you're getting the the most out of it. Yeah.
0: Uh, historically, and uh, you know, we, we used to do this a lot and a lot of our, our competitors do this. They'll put up a feedback forum where people can vote on features that they want. Um, we noticed over the years that, uh, and this this is maybe a terrible thing to say, but product management is not a democracy. So popularity contests are usually not the right way to get this stuff done. Uh, That may be true in a B2C situation, right? If you're trying to sell as many um, instances of a, a music streaming service or something like that, the majority rule is not a terrible way to go. But if you sell B2B software, Um, It's really important to understand not just vote counts, but to make sure that the people voting for things or expressing interests in things, however they're commenting on it, that you understand where in your market they sit. So uh, we, we notice a lot of uh, what we call ballot box stuffing, where someone will make a suggestion about our product or, or one of our customers' products, and you'll see a bunch of people at that same organization mm-hmm. upvote it, thinking that that's going to be the thing that pushes over the it over the top and gets it done. Yeah. Um, you might be tempted to do that if you couldn't see through that trend. Um, but really understanding like, uh, how does this relate to our overall company goals? If our goals are growth, or our goals are retention, uh, making sure that that feedback sits in the market that would most benefit from it, and that you have a clear uh, line to draw between the feedback, the solution, and the outcome that you are hoping to get from it.
1: Uh, one last question before we wrap up here. You know, for those that want to learn more, or you know, maybe they know some, but but want to read, watch, listen to something that that might help them understand this this topic a little bit better. Do you have any recommendations or any resources that uh, that uh, to to share?
0: Uh, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here and give you something that's not very specific to
1: sure.
0: what we talked about today. There's a site called BehavioralScientist.org, and what that site tries to do is take human behavior. Uh, and make it digestible and understandable uh, in a way that uh, you can use in your business career and your day-to-day life. So we read that quite a bit to think about, okay, how if I need to solicit feedback from someone, how can I do that in a way that is actually valuable and motivational for most people on the planet? Or uh, if we're trying to make the administrative inf- interface of our product less daunting to someone who's earlier in their career, how can I make them feel more confident? Because uh, they should be um, and, and better at their job. So behavioral scientist really just talks about human beings, the way our minds and our emotions work and how you can, you know, not in a manipulative way, but in a, in a positively beneficial way, um, tap into those features and really just help people as much as you possibly can.
1: That's great. Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm going to check that out myself. I, yeah. I wasn't familiar with it, so that's that's great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Nice, thanks. Well, Matt, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, for those listening, uh, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you and UserVoice are
0: doing? Sure. Uh, UserVoice.com, of course, is where you know you can find out about our products, uh, get demos, trials, all that stuff, whatever you'd like. Uh, we do have a blog where we try to publish a lot of uh you know, non-salesy product management uh, type helpful stuff, similar to the you know subject we're talking about today. Um, we're a pretty small company. People are, are pretty surprised at our size. Uh, and because of that, we're able to do a lot of, of one-on-one talks with people. I, I love just whether you're a customer or not, hearing about your problems, it helps us uh, in the... For the, exactly the same reasons that we've talked about today. So, uh, since my name is pretty common, if you search on LinkedIn for Matt Young UserVoice, you'll find me or uh, Matt at uservoice.com. I'd be happy to talk to any of you about anything.
1: Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Matt Young, CEO of UserVoice, for joining the show. Thanks for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkillstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile.